We're back! We're back! It's the distraction. I'm Drew McGarry, and that's David Roth. Say hi, Roth. Hi, man. What's going on? We uh, we have some explaining to do. I was almost said we have some explanation to do, but that it's <laughs> cool. It's, it, we wanted Which, to get started with like a series of mistakes. Yeah, so, yeah. Here we are. We're, we've been absolutely flawless lead off to the podcast. This is a <laughs> new podcast in many ways. However, uh, to give you uh, the lay of the land, David Roth and I. Uh, used to write and podcast for a site called Deadspin. We had a site, uh, we had a podcast called The Deadcast, which everyone confused with the Grateful Dead podcast, which is the worst confusion I would want for yeah. anyone to make. With we didn't even get a Bill Walton guest appearance out of it. It was just a total disaster at every level. Yeah. And that podcast, uh, usually the average length of that podcast was shorter than the length of the average Grateful Dead live song. So yeah. I don't, song. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't appreciate the confusion. Anyway, uh, Back in uh, October of 2019, we had our last Deadcast. Lauren Tyson uh, was our guest, uh, also fellow Deadspin staffer. And it was the day Barry Pacheski, our boss at the time, was fired by uh, Great Hill Partners Management uh, for cheekily decorating the front page of Deadspin in non-sports stories uh, in defiance of an edict uh, telling us that we had to stick to sports and only write about sports from now on. Uh, and when Barry did that, uh, the CEO, Great Hill, saw it, fired him on the spot, and we all quit on mass after that. And in fact, Lauren Tyson was one of the first. She did the podcast with us after Barry got fired, and she sounded extremely rattled. She was fucking furious. And she quit later that day. I believe I quit the next day. I know I quit on Halloween. Yeah. I hope I got the timing right. And then it was like it was sort of like in stages. And then Roth, you were next. Yeah, we all went. Uh, Halloween was basically the the day that most people left. McKenna stuck around for one extra day so he could be like accidental editor in chief at the site and turn the lights out. But yeah, that's right. Was, that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty well over by the time we did our last podcast, which is I recall opened with a long segment on Andy Dalton. Well, I, yeah, that's right. Cause just, Andy Dalton had just been benched. Yeah. That was the, that was the last major sports story we got to before we stopped our podcast and literally nothing happened after that. Yeah. No. That's what's incredible is that everybody's been talking about Andy Dalton for like eight months now and we haven't been able to do a podcast about it. Where, where will he end up next? Will it was, he, will it's he style the, his hair differently? There's so the many biggest, things. The biggest story, not just in sports, but in America, is the fate of Andy <laughs> Dalton. Uh, so now that's all the uh, dirty, grimy stuff. But now we get to the good shit. Oh, cool. Which is good. That, I love this part. Which is that, again, I'm going to say it again. You ready? We're back. We're back with a new podcast. Uh, that podcast is with Stitcher. It's called The Distraction. That's this podcast, the one that you're listening to right now. Yeah. You can and just keep listening. It'll keep going uh, until it ends. That's right. And it'll be part of a, uh, a new media company. Uh, that we started, that we own, motherfucker, called Defector.com. It'll probably be pretty good. You won't see the website till September, but uh, we're going to keep doing this thing until uh, we are told to stop. He's being annoyingly modest. The I am site be- is going to fucking rule. It's going to rule ass. I just don't. Drew's naturally louder than me. It's easier for him to say things like that. It'll rule all the asses. <laughs> Every last one of them. All seven billion asses on Earth. It'll yes, it'll be here in September. Uh, you can go to the page right now and you can subscribe. And people ask this. I just want this to be clear. If you subscribe now, you're not going to get charged for the month of August because we're not obviously not blogging in August. You'll you'll get charged for the year of blog posts that we do starting when we start 
are posting like in, in early September. So, so don't be afraid to give us money now. If you were like, well, we should give Drew and Roth and all of them money later. Do it now. Yeah, stop because letting gonna, fear hold you back. Yeah, because the other thing is that there's not going to be any money in the world in like eh, four days. <laughs> I think it would be nice if you could also mail us durable goods yeah. uh, to our homes. Anything canned or, uh, you know, really hearty uh, cabbage is good. You know, what's funny is at the beginning of quarantine, uh, we stocked up on beans. We got like... My wife and I like we 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 were like well, we'll do peapod and we'll get lots of garbanzo beans and so there's like still in the pantry there's like ten cans of motherfucking beans yeah like like a nuke went off we're a, I think that we're enough of a bean eating group that we've gone through the initial bean stockpile but everybody kind of did that I've always been like a bean weirdo uh, not in the way that our our buddy Luis is where he has a phobia of them I right just, I just like cooking and eating them. But uh, yeah, it feels like we're in a different stage of uh, collapse now. Like we've moved past the hoarding beans and moved on to, um, I guess, like firearms. Yeah, everyone got sick of being in the fallout shelter and decided to live in the fallout, which yeah. is just so exciting. It's cool. And so <laughs> I'm just glad that I'm not in your apartment because with all those beans, it must be quite fragrant. No, it's good. Well, if you're talking about the aromatics that I cook them with, yeah, it's mm. nice. I use bay leaves. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a bay leaf truther, by the way? Uh, that they have no purpose or flavor, right? You're just putting you're just putting rough it. You're yeah, putting like- yeah, a little bit. I mean, I can't tell you what a bay leaf tastes like. I've used enough of them that it's like at this point, basically, I'm using them because I have them. Yeah, uh, the experience of finishing that's some real quarantine shit. Finishing a container of bay leaves, finishing a bottle of vermouth. We've really gone on some journeys during these last couple of months in that regard, like things that. By rights, you should just buy one bottle of vermouth when you're 28, and then <laughs> and then insane. die with it. Like and the it cap, can, yeah. The cap gets all sticky, right? And like you can't even open it. Yeah, because you make a martini every four years, and that's just and you leave it in your fridge. Uh, we I finished have, one, and we bought another one. That's, that's our lifestyle. Did you now. drink the vermouth straight? No, my uh, my wife's on that spritz lifestyle. Not to put her business. Oh, in the, the Aperol. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a responsible choice. If you want to have a Negroni experience, but you don't want to uh, have headaches or get in petty arguments with your husband, uh, vermouth is the one to go with. I salute you and your wife's commitment to yuppieism, even in the even in the face of a second oh, Great God. Depression. We've, if, if anything, we've become more unbearable. I think, and that was like, and I think the odds were strongly against that. Like, if you'd talked to me in October and been like, "You're going to be so much worse in six months," I'd be like, "How?" I have two bay leaf stories for you, to keep, just to keep the audience riveted. Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's do them both, man. It's a podcast. One is I've lived in Maryland for like 16 years now. I only figured out just now that uh, Old Bay, the seasoning, does not have any bay leaves in it. Like I knew it was named <laughs> after the Chesapeake Bay, but I was like, oh, it's got ground up bay leaves in it. It doesn't have anything of the kind. No, it's it's, just, it's salt. It's seasoned. Yeah, salt. yeah. It's just like garlic salt. And shit I mean, it's like good, that. but it's like there's. I think. The Lowry season salt, which is what my family had when I was a kid, is like that's the same product, but without like the accent. Yeah, I have I have no doubt of that. You're like that's like how Bell's the Thanksgiving seasoning. Yeah. They're both good though. I mean, it's just like if you like MSG, you're gonna be very happy with that. It's a beans and seasoning podcast. Who? Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is it. Finally, we don't have to talk about sports at all. It's just uh yeah, your lesser seasonings. The other thing is that one one Christmas a while ago, some I I I can't even remember someone at work 
or someone at, at my wife's office or something gave her a, a bay leaf wreath, like for decorative reasons. So she gets the the leaf or the or the wreath and she hangs it very pretty. But and she was about to throw it away, and I was like, wait a second, why are we throwing that away? Like a jar of fucking bay leaves at the store is like eight dollars. So I. <laughs> <laughs> I took apart a goddamn wreath and I stuffed it into an old McCormick, McCormick jar and I used those Baileys for like stew for like a year. Solid. That's, what's <laughs> incredible about that is that that is some real like early feral person behavior, but you were married with children at the time that that happened. Like, it was, like me stealing toilet paper from my first job because like they have so much of it. I was 22. That's like a normal thing for me to do. The idea of being like that thing, the gift, I want to eat it. That was when I, my, my first office job, they, they said, if you stay past 7 p.m., you can expense dinner. So I would go home at 7 p.m., go to the grocery store, buy my groceries, and expense the groceries. And oh. my boss called me in one day, and he's like, no, 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 no. When we say we're expensing dinner, you eat the fucking dinner here. <laughs> you, don't, so you don't get to charge like a pack of chicken thighs in a box of stovetop. You know, it, obviously, it sucks getting older you know because like you got aches you got like weird wiry hairs in places you don't want them and stuff but yeah it is nice to be able to like have come far enough in our lives that you now understand the perspective of someone taking a 22 year old aside and be like you just have no idea like how to be a person huh like i can help you with that but i can't buy you stovetop stuffing on the company dime like but i can help you figure out how to order dinner if that's something you'd like yeah it's also like like now that we've started uh, a media company and the and the, the site's gonna have a paywall, like I've spent the past twenty years trying to evade paywalls and failing. Yeah, and like oh this goddamn paywall and the Boston Globes was always nasty. I was like I just want to read the shitty Dan Shaughnessy column. You won't let me. <laughs> and, yeah, this is definitely and, one of those like uh, it's like a black hat scenario. Like we've been yeah. like you called in the elite like paywall evaders to be like. So you're a fucking dirtbag that won't pay $1 a month for something? Like, all right. <laughs> so now we now we own the bitch. I'm like, now how do we make it so that no one can evade the paywall? Right. <laughs> right. So if they try to if they go into incognito mode like and try to get to us through Pornhub or something like that, we can actually send a goon named yeah. Larry to go kneecap him. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that like was a total boss now. It's horrible. Yeah, it's great. It's cool to have uh, sold out and joined the management class. Now, are you ready? Uh, we have to go through everything we missed between right now and the last time we did a podcast together. You ready well, to do else, that? Well, what else? What could possibly have happened in the last eight or nine right. months? That all right? Well, I'd like to do it, but can we can we try to do it in like three or four minutes? Uh, well, yeah, I was I wanted to do it all to the Billy Joel keyboard riff. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the famous we didn't start the fire format for running down uh eight months of current events. So Drew so, and I will be singing for the remaining uh, bit of the podcast. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put it in rhyming fashion, which I I'm very upset about. Uh, I quit, I believe, or it was either it was one night before. Or the night of the of the Nationals winning the World Series in Game Seven in Houston, a game uh, they won all four road games of that goddamn World Series, which still blows my mind. Yeah, this is crazy. So this is a thing that happened after we left. Is a, a World Series ended? A World Series ended, but just the, mo the just the strangest sequencing. Of, oh yeah, of how World Series games are won, and not only that, then we find out after the fact that the Astros cheated in that World Series and many other games by banging a 
goddamn trash can in the dugout. Oh, <laughs> so I so people know. I love that story. I did get to write about it elsewhere, but it was definitely like there had already been like as that World Series at the end of the ALCS, there is a story where basically like the Astros like fuckery levels had become like a national issue that like this was yeah. being discussed because they had to fire an assistant GM for being like, I'm so happy we traded for the domestic violence guy, Stephanie yep. Epstein, and, like just getting in the faces of some women reporters. Yeah, Brandon Taubman. Brandon Taubman, who's now, uh, this is how long ago it was. He's completed that cycle to where the owner of the Astros called him like a fine young man last week. Yeah, yeah, a young man, and he's probably like 48. This is the best, man. If you're like a certain type of white dude, like just old people will see you as their son forever. Yeah, it's like it's like Brett Kavanaugh syndrome. Yeah, it's like it's incredible. That just this like kid, just a he's just a kid. They all make mistakes. Let's uh, <laughs> let's have him let's have him preside over the fate of every American for that the could next be 50 your son years. sobbing about beer on the floor of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Astros, yeah, they they would steal signs. The the best part is that the Astros were essentially a bloodless organization. Dedicated to the most like Pete Buttigieg, yeah, they methods. were a fucking McKinsey engagement, and that's this right. Is, and this is how they cheated too, which is yes, great. and then they cheated in the most basic ass, blatant way by stealing signals and then banging a trash can so their batter knew what was. Which coming. is it's so perfect that I honestly like I'm I'm enjoying it all over again because it's just basically like they got rid of all their scouts, replaced them with people that are like really good at pivot tables, right, and then. The method that they come up with, like all of these fucking Dartmouth quants, is like just caveman style cheating. <laughs> this is really solid. And it was fantastic because I was very, uh, and I wrote about it, but it was, uh, once baseball came back, and it is back, we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, that I was very sad that, that fans wouldn't be around to, you know, hurl, you know, like rocks and batteries and very large packs of sand at the Astros from the sand. <laughs> Uh, but but the Dodgers right away helped make up for that by having Joe Kelly beam the living shit out of them. Every team has really like taken up the mantle for that. That like they can't <laughs> boo them, but they can fight them constantly and yeah. throw baseballs at them. It's great. It's great. Uh, and then uh, so what else did we miss? We missed uh, the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Oh, I remember that. Uh, coming back from a ten a ten point plus deficit. Three straight games. We did once against Houston, thanks to the immortal Bill O'Brien fucking up. Uh, and then they did it in the AFC title game against the Titans. And then they did it in the Super Bowl in the second half, I think in the fourth quarter. I can't believe I'm asking you. Yeah, man, I, uh, you're asking the wrong guy because that happened, I, uh, that happened in was... 2014 and I don't remember it very well. I know. That Super Bowl feels like it happened 80 years ago. Uh, Good Super Bowl, some... though. It was fun fantastic Super Bowl. And it was, it was the right ending. Like, it was really nice. Like, as someone who has made fun of Andy Reid for ages and ages for being, like, a shitty game manager, and, like, you know, and that's sort of, you know, Bill Simmons did so much that it's almost, like, shop-worn at this point. Yeah, right. Like, it's and, all, like I don't even really believe it anymore because, like, enough dinguses have, like, made the point where I'm like, oh, no, that's a thing that, like, uh, Albert Breer thinks. Right, yeah, and it got it got to the point where it was like, actually, no, this is a fantastic coach who just ha- has not happened to have won a Super Bowl. He finally won a Super Bowl and got all the justified praise he deserved. And Pat Mahomes is now like the god of the NFL. We were hoping he was the year prior when they blew the AFC title game against the Patriots. They finally got through all that. The Patriots ate shit. 
more on that in a second. Yeah. But um, yeah, the Mahomes, that was, uh, I actually like, I'm appreciating the opportunity to remember that performance too. Cause like as good as he was, there were also a bunch of like weird little cock ups during the game, like strange. Yeah. He like attempted he not- a weird shovel pass at the goal line where like Chris Collinsworth was like, I have no idea. I've never seen anyone try to do that before and not in a cool way. He so, did like, not have a good start to that game. Yeah. And so, but he was so good by the end of it. Like there's, I don't know. I'm really excited to see where he goes. Cause that's like. He's like far without the psychosis. Like he's just like as cool and as creative a quarterback as I can remember seeing. There's also, there's things that he can do that just no one else can or ever has. There is just, if he's on, like the entire field belongs to him. So if he is at one corner of the field and, you know, caddy corner, 70 yards downfield, there's someone like Tyreek Hill. It's going to be Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Wide open. That's not an issue. Like that's, that's like a 10 yard pass to him. Like he can do that. And so there's no one who, there's never been a, like, it's always, you always say the weapon is like the wide out or the running back who can, you know, who can go out for passes and stuff like that. But when the quarterback is the weapon, the way Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are, like, it's just a way more fun game to yeah, watch. Makes it way harder for defenses, makes it more fun to watch. Uh, I guess we can table the segment. We had planned a segment where I would debate that the Bears were right to take Mitch Trubisky ahead of Pat Mahomes. But I feel like I've talked myself out of that now, so we should just move on to the next item, probably. Uh, Yeah, we missed Tom Brady's final season in New England, which ended with him throwing a pick six to the Titans, which is fantastic. (laughs) At home! Yeah, it's tough. Anyway, uh, and then he retired. Yeah, I... I Oh, just actually, no, I'm sorry. There's... (laughs) I'm getting word. I was of the mind that, that Brady would never leave New England. Yeah. Because he had a whole cushy setup where they had an investment in TB12, and that was essentially their under-the-table pay- payment to him. And he would just stay, and he was like their best option. It turned out to actually not be their best option. Yeah. And uh, did an Instagram where it was like him, like, you know, like the standard bullshit Instagram that athletes and like, celebrities do, where it's like, <laughs> it's black and white. It's very tastefully shot. He's walking out of a tunnel. And everyone's like, what does it mean? Yeah, incredible. It's also, it just shows how much, like, I mean, like a Nike ad, like, it's not a great piece of art, but you can really tell the difference between when it's made by advertising professionals and when it's made by, like, Tom Brady's personal assistant, Lyle. Yeah, it's just the most thirsty-ass shit. Yeah. Ever, like, Rus- Russell Wilson perfected it, but Tom Brady isn't far behind, so... Uh, so he, he left the, he did leave the Patriots and I was like, oh shit, he did leave. Where's he going to go? And like, it was like, maybe the Colts, maybe the Chargers, and he went to fucking Tampa. Yep. <laughs> just, Which just has that kind of feeling of like, it's not exactly like being pushed out on an ice flow. It's like kind of the opposite because it's actually very humid down there, but it's similar in the sense that it's just like, that's where you go to, to be forgotten. Yeah. Like, aesthetically, it doesn't really make sense for Tom Brady. Politically, it makes all the sense in the goddamn world. Yeah, right. Go someplace where, you know, everybody is also willing to entertain your theories about, like, uh, how if you drink enough water, you're invincible to the sun or whatever. Like, this is good. If there was a a team in Huntington Beach, that would obviously be ideal. But this is still a good spot. I'm 100% ready for Tom Brady to retire and buy a shitty baseball team and make it worse and have tasteful photos of him at, like, a glass desk looking at it like three iPads. Yeah, whatever it is that he does after football is going to be fucking weird, and I kind of can't wait for it. But uh, yeah, it's it, he's already well on that path. What else happened? Oh, right, Kobe Bryant died. Yeah. Kobe Bryant fucking died. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I, there was, I don't know if this happens with you, but um, when like a, a major celebrity dies, 
there's a bit of a Twitter lag where it's like, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes between like a place like TMZ reporting it and like everyone being like, wait, is this real? There's, like, there's yeah. like this gap where it's like, is this real? Are we sure about this? And by the way, TMZ, even though I hate TMZ, for like personal reasons, like they usually get this shit right. Yep. Um, so, so there's they just write it in such a way that it looks wrong. Like yeah, they put so many right. ellipses and everything. You're like, no, that's a that's an right. AI malfunctioning. I don't think that really happened. But like yeah. even more like random all caps than I deploy. Like it's very it's very scattershot. But it, so there's always this lag time where it's like, <laughs> like wait a second, this this didn't really happen to it, and then it did, and then everyone's like, oh fuck, and then it so then that happened, and that I'm almost glad it was not part of that discourse because it was just so. There was this just this incredible schism between outright reverence for the for Kobe, not just as a player, but as a, a yeah, as a, this monumental human being and figure of dedication and want to and all that. Right. Meanwhile, he's a credibly accused rapist. Uh, he became a strange brand bot after he left basketball, and and on the on the court, he you know he basically was a Jordan mimic, which I can't. He got five titles out of it, so it's not like I can be like, "Well, he just copied the guy." And yeah, like right. He, like he did a pretty goddamn good yeah, job. Yeah, seriously, copying. right? Like he came as close as anyone ever has. It's just, it's. I agree that that was one that I was happy to sit out, just in the sense that, like, I don't have anything, you know, especially nice or especially like novel to say for him. I didn't revere him. I didn't really like him. Also, it's terrible that he died. But like, that's not a it's blog horrible. Pose that he yeah, died. It's not. It's not even a tweet. Like, it's just like one of those things where. You know, it's a, a a sad thing that happened, and I was happy to leave that one to the stands and the whatever, like the people that did feel the need to point out that he was in fact a creep. Yeah, because the a lot of the people who did point out that that he was a or an accused rapist, and saying accused it, is still very light to me. Yeah, it, it 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 leaves open the possibility if you read the police report, you would not want to use that word. Right. Um, but you know, the the people who did point it out immediately got. See, besieged by by the Lakers fanboys who were like, oh, how dare, like all the Michael Rappaports of the world being like, you, know, you can't do this and all this bullshit. And, you know, it was just horrible to look at. And, you know, it, you know, it's, I think, I think the way that it's settled now, it's settled now that he is, he is revered. And I think a lot of his crimes have still been, uh, or I say transgressions have not really been properly, uh, Contextualized, well, the wrong yeah. word, or just noted for the goddamn record, um, and but I, I think it's sort of settled now where it's just okay. I, like at least for me personally, it's like okay, he was great. I'm very sad he died. His legacy is, you know, has this gigantic tarnish on it that I'm not going to forget, uh, and I'm just going to have to leave it at that. I mean, for me, like just from a basketball perspective too, I think that as influential as he was, you know, like just in terms of him being like the alpha wing star for like kids that were growing up and that later on would go on to play in the NBA. Like I just feel like the NBA's moved past the need for a Kobe Bryant type player at this point, like not a competitive psychopath. Obviously there's there, we need those. Like it's very important. Damian Lillard is performing a vital national service during these. Oh my God. The game was so good on Tuesday. I, I love it, but there is it also like nuts. just basketball is more fun now. Like you don't need like a guy taking contested turnaround 17 footers or whatever like we we've agreed that that's not a priority 
Yeah, I think there's just a more uh, festive brand of competitive sociopathy that yeah. like Dame engages in and that Steph engages in uh, if he were if his team were around right yeah. now. Um, th- th- so it you don't need uh, Kobe and MJ's you know sort of specific brand of Patrick Bateman type style yeah. competitiveness to to go through it. So I I'm I'm glad for that. I I wish Kobe were still around, but I'm glad that. You know, basketball isn't always searching for ne- the next sort of Jordan era parent. And you got all these guys trying to bite his ass and bite his style and, you know, doing the same turnaround jumper, which Kobe did really, really well. Yeah, he did. You could uh, tell he practiced it a lot. But yeah, now we, now we don't do that. Now we do the Damian Lillard thing where you stand on the NBA logo 40 feet from the basket. So and the amazing. fucking net doesn't move. Yeah, which is, if we're going to be honest, is cooler. It was it was so cool. Uh what else happened? Uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign died, mm. uh, and that's all—that's uh, all my fault because I wrote on Jen that uh, Bernie was going to win. The instant I wrote that, uh, he was going to die. <laughs> uh, joke. Track record uh, remains perfect, though. So, congrats yeah. on that. Obviously, uh, a Voltron of shitty Democrats came together to drop out at the same time and hand Joe Biden the nomination. So Joe won, and, and just this week he picked Kamala Harris as his running mate. And by the time uh, Bernie had. Uh, essentially conceded and endorsed him the pandemic it hit. So that yeah. was the thing that that really happened. And so the last time I was at a bar was to watch an NBA game and I believe it was March 11th or March 12th. I think that's that was my personal D-day along with a lot of people. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, something like that. That was I think if that was early that week I met a friend on Monday for a beer. Uh I was supposed to have lunch with somebody on Wednesday. By Wednesday it was already clear uh that that would have been a stupid thing to do and their office was closed. And I think the last time I was in a restaurant was that Thursday. But yeah, that was, um, that was a, a good day. Everybody at the, I had a kind of like a last day of school or like the night before a blizzard sort of feeling at the bar. <laughs> like everybody was like, well, there's no, no school tomorrow. Society's ending. Like, yeah. just, but Have you been to a restaurant since? Uh, not inside. Um, but you know, we but picked, you have done outdoor dining. Oh no, we haven't. Um, have we? No, not really. We do a lot of takeout. Uh, or not a lot, take, but some. The, the, the first time I had takeout during quarantine, I felt like a billionaire. Yeah, the, same. We ordered a, it was like $90 worth of Indian food, and we're like, well, this is good, because if they stop making Indian food because of it, everything's Mad Max now, then we'll have lunch for right. next week. And uh, that, obviously, like, you know, now it's not becoming Mad Max quite as quickly as I'd feared, so we've been able to order from that place a few more times. Uh, but yeah, I haven't I got, done any outdoor dining, man. It's New York City in August. Like and my neighborhood's got not to uh, to bring the mood down. I would describe it as a a, like. a rat issue. <laughs> it's like and it approaches a problem on certain blocks. So it's the sort of thing where like if you're trying to enjoy like some al fresco dining with uh, somebody you really care about and it's 86 degrees at 9 p.m. and there's like just a large rat staring at you. Like, are you going to finish that from nearby? Like, it's not tight. I don't want that experience, and we have avoided it. That's funny. I sent Bill de Blasio uh, 20 Twitter videos of those rats, and he claimed he hadn't watched them. He's got such a long backlog of videos to watch. He's actually <laughs> still, I, uh, yeah, he's apparently just watching Landry Fields highlights when he's done with those. I, uh, I, I, went, I took my kids to downtown D.C., like for uh, errand reasons, over the weekend, and they had uh, outdoor cafes open. You can eat. Outside in D.C. I have not done that yet. But oh. I walked by some people. And, like, you know the whole thing where it's, like, you're supposed to keep your mask on except when you're eating the food? Like, no one obeys that. Yeah. Like, 
It's a weird thing to do, too. I mean, this is the thing as like, you know, as somebody who wears the mask like a good boy. It's like if you're eating something and then you put the mask on, you're basically just experiencing it again. Like if you like crush a banh mi and you're like, I miss banh mi. That's great. And then you wear a mask. You will hate banh mi within 30 minutes because you're just smelling it. Right. So no one's enforcing it. So I'm like, "Eh." so I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, you know, you get that sort of COVID disapproval instinct kicking in or you're like. Oh, that's not very good. But then I see people housing some oysters, and I'm like, I could really go for a goddamn tray of oysters right now. Yeah, it's definitely the the thing with the outdoor eating stuff is that like it, none of what I miss about going to restaurants or bars is available in the outdoor version currently, you know, out there to have. That like I guess like drinking beer in like a beer garden like that is great, and I wish I could do it. They don't have any of those in my neighborhood, and then. But restaurant-wise, like, there's one photo I keep coming back to from Chicago where they – I think they actually do have indoor service there now, which they probably should not. But this no. was people outside at a cafe table in the rain under a tarp eating <laughs> wings. And, like, the tarp was just, like, kind of resting on their head. Like, it was – and I – you know, whatever. Like, any normal person, like, I miss having somebody bring me a fried appetizer and be like, go nuts. Uh, there's some napkins in there. Like – but I don't miss it enough to like enjoy it while like that was like how you would store a lawnmower. And, <laughs> like the idea that like that's how you want to have the experience of eating wings like with your homies and your foreheads are all touching because you're under a tarp is not how I have that drawn up at it's all. It's extremely sanitary. I yeah. Mean, what could be more I, fun than crawling into a sack with your butts? Yeah. Sharing sharing that air so intimately, mm. just getting each other's uh, getting each other's uh, droplets yeah. all over each wow, other. Wow, you really like that blue cheese, huh? So fun, so good to do that. It's amazing the word droplet now terrifies me anytime. Yeah, I see it. God, right? Like there's just like diagrams of like an elevator, and it looks like a like a thermo like like thermovision. Like when yeah, you see the you're getting you like the, the, dr- the RoboCop threat assessment readout everywhere you go. It's not, yeah. you see the droplets in like world war two, like planes, like invading <laughs> everyone's nostrils and shit like that. Yeah. Not a, uh, not a cool way to go through the world. Luckily it's solved. Uh, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back with more of a rundown of the year and then hit the fun back. We'll come right back. And we are back. Look at that. Uh, I'll go quickly through everything else we uh, we missed. Once the pandemic hit, uh, we were all sad and miserable and alone for three months. But then things got better because we all found out uh, that police departments are racist and uh, represent 95% of every city's budget. And then they have free reign to just beat the shit out of everybody whenever they feel like it. And so what that re- was really cool. What a relief that was. I remember thinking, talking to my friends, America's back. I yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, they're protecting us by killing us. It's just the best thing in yeah, the world. Yeah, thanks so much. Now I don't have to worry about the pandemic. I have to worry about you uh, curb stomping me while I, dressed like an Autobot. So obviously the protests happened. The uh, Black Lives Matter movement went global. There were protests in fucking Europe uh, in support of the in the movement, which I thought was fantastic and yeah. heartwarming. Like, and on one hand, like people in Europe love to protest, but on the other hand, uh, they're also racist. So it's a lot to think about. And the protesters were the responsible ones. They wore masks. They were yeah. handing out, like, we went to, a, we took our kids to a, a couple of protests. Everyone was wearing masks. They were handing out water to everybody. I saw one video yeah. of cops, like, taking the water bottles and stabbing them, like, like, with a bayonet. Like, it was like, 
like they were invading Normandy. Yeah, it was really easy to tell who was on the right side of history with those. Yeah, yeah, it was blatant. It was the most obvious shit you've ever seen. So like to have that happen, just and then and then everyone was like, and then like half the states were like, oh yeah, by the way, we can open for business again. Everything's fine. We've beaten the virus, even though they hadn't beaten it at all. So then now uh, the pandemic has spiked up to like eh, like I see all the line graphs and it's like. We're almost back to when uh, when New York City was leading the world in mass preventable death. Yeah, like we're we're not. We've distributed that more widely, but we're we're not far from that level. It's like one of those ESPN win uh, uh, probability yes. charts. Oh, God. Like when the score gets to fifty to nothing, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the moment that the position player comes in to pitch. That's the part on the uh, win probability chart we're at now. I'll race through all of this in the. Uh, uh, in the interim, what else also happened? Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, but only after it had been dangling on the market for like two months because the Panthers murdered his body and he couldn't get a physical anywhere. Uh, Bill Simmons sold his company to Spotify for over $200 million. He got canceled for being a racist asshat, and then somehow managed to shrug that off and still is basically just a happy, ignorant, rich guy, which yeah. is so it's heartwarming. Pers- pursuing his feuds litigating uh, things for agent buddies of his, all the stuff that you dream of doing as a young man growing up. That's very cool. I, I hope that Defector uh, grows so large that we can also sell it off for $300 million. And then I can just be a rich guy who believes every opinion he has is valid yeah. and uh, and needs to be made, not just like that, needs to be made into its own spinoff podcast. I think so. that as, you know, obviously like I'm, I'm pretty happy with the person that I've become. Uh, like a mostly un- mostly unemployable shut-in uh, <laughs> yeah. who posts too much. But I feel like my final form is becoming an industry gossip guy. Ooh. Yeah, and that's I, that's, I think, where Simmons is at this point, where he's using, like, the, the weird language that Variety uses in their stories, but they're like, Anne Hathaway ankled production. Like, that's going to be, that's where he's headed. Yeah, he's going the full L- L.A. That's like, where he I hates, be. He hates LeBron because he hates LeBron's agent and stuff like that. Yeah, like, very, so like, good. Very like standard boring LA shit. So it, in that way, it's a dream come true for him to become like just like the guy who watches the movie and has like casting brain. Yep. Like oh, I guess like, they probably couldn't work out an agreement there because they were probably bundling with uh, the writing team and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, so fun, by the way. I'm really enjoying this movie a lot. Uh, Herman Cain died of coronavirus after attending a Trump rally with no mask. Uh, soccer came back in Europe. Uh, no one tested positive. No one died. And I got used to watching games in empty stadiums and and being okay with fake, fake crowd noise instead of it sounding like someone, someone knew they were watching a Bundesliga game and it said, it sounded like I'm, they're playing at an indoor pool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which was so, which was like alarmingly accurate. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, like it's been, you know, we've seen this with other sports bringing in the fake crowd noise too. Like I'm apparently just a, a baby and can be tricked by that. Like I hear like that, like shitty rustling at a Mets game that I'm watching on TV. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a Mets game in August. Yeah. Well, like NBC sports network did a really good job with the soccer because they took, uh, they took crowd noise from previous premier league seasons from each team's respective home crowds and put those and, and integrated those into the, the telecast depending on the stadium. So it was really, really custom and really well done. And actually the same thing has been true of the NBA, they haven't been tailored that specifically because they're not playing in home stadiums right now. But there is fake crowd noise, and it's been fine. I think Major League Baseball's has been, I would argue, the most sort of scattershot 
Um, but that's also because Major League Baseball came back and itself has been a complete goddamn mess. Yeah, yeah, that's the tough one. Because, like, that's, I mean, we basically, we're far enough along in this that, like, I mean, it's different in Europe because they actually did manage the pandemic and suppressed it. Here we just, like, waited Correct. a little while and didn't do anything. That there's, like, yep. but, uh, which, unsurprisingly, uh, did not work as well. But there's, th- we know now, like, what can work and what, definitely won't work and mlb is doing the the second one of those and the vibe is all sort of off on it yeah because 18 miami marlins tested positive for the virus uh the uh the cardinals had x number of players also uh test positive for the virus had their entire series this week canceled they're in uh, they played five games yeah they have to play like 90 games in like 40 days so it's <laughs> yeah so the it, classic like, baseball thing that yeah, so we're going to have a pennant race between teams that have, you know, played like between 30 and 60 games. It's just get the weirdest shit that could possibly be. And the players don't look terribly happy. Oh, yeah. And the, baseball's, and the baseball's lousy because they had to stop and ramp back up. So basically what we're getting is the quality of play that you would get, you know, in the second week of March during spring training. But we're getting it in ghostly empty stadiums. And one team, uh, you know, at any given time, has half of its roster infected with a pandemic. Yeah, and college football will actually be worse because uh, <laughs> just yesterday, as we're recording this, just yesterday, the uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 said that they would, at the very least, postpone their football seasons and would not play football in the fall. And the Big 12 was like, well, we're still playing anyway. I know Texas is definitely behind that. And the SEC was like, we respect what the Big Ten has done. But we're gonna look into it ourselves. And yeah, they're, and they're definitely, definitely gonna play. One thing so, that I think we can agree has been extremely good during the pandemic is that everything is now a stupid culture war thing. Every decision, right down to whether we try to address the pandemic or not, is now the sort of thing that you can uh, do some culture war signaling about. Well, yeah, and I don't even like it phrased that way because it makes it sound like both sides are the problem. Yeah, what's really right. happened? What's really happened is that Republicans made mask wearing a thing that pussies do. Yeah, uh, and so they're like, they're like, no, we gotta be free. Yeah, you're you gotta f- if you show the virus that you're afraid by yeah. acknowledging it, then it becomes yeah. more powerful. No one can see the bald eagle tattoo I had inked across my mouth if I wear a mask. <laughs> so, like, like say, like even saying. Like people are saying, oh, it's been so politicized. No, it hasn't been politicized. It's been ruined. Yeah. It's been fucking ruined by the president and his cronies. And that's why we can't go to Buffalo Wild Wings on a Saturday. Damn, can he say that? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so I want to finish on a, a good note uh, because uh, the NHL and the NBA are also back. The NBA did a bubble in Florida, in like the most diseased county in Florida. And we were all like, oh my God. Yeah. And it's been great. It's yep. been, it's working. It's been, it's been fucking great. The basketball has been good. I don't even mind. They have a, they have a, a mural of Zoom fans in the background and they have fake crowd noise. And I'm like, yeah, that works. I got no problem with that. Right. I mean, like, it's uncanny, but like everything is uncanny right now. Like, I'll take uncanny with like good, you know, like high quality basketball happening in front of it as opposed to uncanny, like, the president holding a Bible in front of a church that they tear gassed people to get at them out in front of or whatever. Yeah. I'm so used to everything being surreal and shitty and horrible that watching like an NHL game played in Edmonton 
in August <laughs> with <laughs> with tarps over every seat. I'm like, this is pretty good. Yeah. I'm like, this is fine. I can like, see this, it. Yeah. I can normalize anything. It's really not a problem. Yeah. Uh, you ready for some fun bag action? What? Can we? Are we allowed? Oh, I don't believe it. We have fun bag questions that we're going to get into. And also, uh, I should know that, uh, or you should know, I know it, uh, okay. when uh, Defector comes and arrives in September, uh, the, the fun bag will be there. The Jambrew will be there. Wire Team Sucks will be there. So please write in for Wire Team Sucks. In fact, uh, I'm going to find a Bengals letter to read for this podcast. I, I forgot to do that beforehand, but I am going to do that. So Good. anyway, but let's get... Uh, Let's get to Paul's question. Paul says, okay, you retire at age, say, 38 after a nice 13-year career as a productive but by no means prominent professional athlete. Let's say a baseball player. You're financially set for life, but you're neither famous nor super wealthy. What do you do with the unlimited possibilities that make up the rest of your life? My reference point here is that Aubrey Huff needs to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Paul, you make a compelling point. I don't, I mean, this is... A question that no one has really answered successfully, right? I mean, like some people have, but you don't know about it because they're just hanging out, living normal lives. Well, I think the most prominent examples are guys that go into coaching or, or into broadcasting because it's just, they still love the sport and it's, you know, it's, it's well, broadcasting wise, it's relatively easy money. So it yeah. allows them to stay sort of relevant and well paid at the same time. But I think, I think the average retired MLB player or at least the white ones, they just spend the rest of their time hunting. Yeah, or golfing, or... Uh, I mean, there's there's definitely, like, weirder elements of it. Like, I know that, like, Adam LaRoche retired after uh, he was not allowed to keep his kid in the locker room, the normal uh, thing that, that you hear about all the time. And then he's, like, been... Like, he runs a, a meat ranch, but he also has done, like, a lot of, like, cosplay, sort of, like, human trafficking stuff. Like, there's some weird guys out there Huff yeah, is the weirdest because he can't he's, fucking he's stop posting. Yeah, he's liberating Bangkok sex slaves with, without without anything resembling experience or a warrant. Yeah, it's basically like a thing that you can do if you want to feel like a, you know, a Hemsworth, but you're not like really that concerned with which one you feel like or with knowing anything about what happens before or after you do your daring paramilitary maneuver. Huff I, uh, is incredible though because he's like the worst case scenario of all these guys that like, as soon as they don't have the organizing structure of baseball, like he just instantly self-destructed into this, like he just like turned fascist cause he got divorced or something. Like it's a really incredible transition. And I don't think that he's remotely alone in that. No, I don't think so either. And also like, I don't need him in my life. I think that's one of the things where it's like, like the second, like, like every, every Monday, like Bill Maher is trending and I'm like, I don't need this. And yeah. Like Aubrey Huff starts trending for the same reason. I'm like, I don't need to hear from this right. piece of I'm shit. I'm fucking grown. Like, he's yeah. not playing for a baseball team. <laughs> what do I owe Aubrey Huff at this point? Yeah, the rest of us has lives to lead. Like, go go the fuck away. Joe writes in, would you rather have nipples for eyes or <laughs> eyes for nipples? Oh, it's I know, the fun bag. I know I know the question. I know the answer to this. This one's I, pretty easy. I think that it's uh, nipples for eyes. Then you couldn't see. I know, but I don't want to be shirtless all the time. And I don't yeah, want to be staring at the inside of my shirt. Oh, wait. Well, you know what? Is he... If you have nipples for eyes, you still have nipples on your chest, right? You have no eyes. I Oh, Cause, yeah. Because huh. if you had eyes for nipples, then it's not an either or. Because both scenarios play out in that. So How you could would this have, question contain such multitudes? 
Anyway, you got to have eyes for nipples. And then you just wear a shirt and close your third and fourth eyes all the time. <laughs> so right? wait, oh, that's right. So you get both. So that's what happens. You yeah. Have extra pair, you have chest eyes. Yeah, you either have four nipples or four eyes. Oh, well, if I'd take four eyes, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're wearing glasses. Ha! Hey, hey! You got me, because I am. It's an audio. It's an audio medium. You can't tell, but I am wearing glasses right now. That's Michael a, writes a clean in. shot. Uh, Michael writes in, I was watching a TV show recently, and a character asked if they should dump the body in New Jersey, and that got me thinking, <laughs> which state has the most bodies buried in it? To be clear, this is solely crime-related, illegally buried bodies. So, like, cemeteries don't count. I mean... Um, I feel like I should almost recuse myself from this as a New Jersey person. Like, <laughs> as, am I? Am as I someone too who's biased? committed murder? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, just it would be it would be unfair uh, to bring that expert's perspective. I feel like New Jersey probably has had a lot of uh, you know people dumped in it. There's a convenient marsh. It's like one you know crossing from the city. Two, of course, if you're coming from an outer borough, uh, and that's not super duper hard. But I feel like. Uh, the thing that we underestimate when we're thinking about like organized crime disposing of people is that all those guys are just fucking high. And so they're not right. going to go very far. Like, I feel like Staten Island pound for pound or like certain parts of, of Brooklyn or whatever have like really could could hold their own with any place. Yeah, it's a mistake I make is that I I always assume bad people are being sober or are sober when they're being bad. When really like. 85% of the American population at any time is just blasted out of their minds on like some horrific cocktail of like prescription medication and like bathtub meth. Yeah. Or just like whatever the things that I think that like, honestly, monster energy is probably as deranging as like anything that you could get illicitly. And there's plenty of people that just drink that like all day at work. My daughter asked for uh monster energy to put, go on the shopping list uh, the, yesterday at dinner. And I was like, no, yeah, what? Like, why do you need to be more energetic? Like, it's it's August. Like, I feel like you gotta just take it easy, just enjoy it. Yeah, when you have a fourteen year old in the house during quarantine, you get all of the fourteen year old. Like, yeah, it's just just from concentrate. It's just so there's there's no part of you that's like, ah, oh, I like this experience a lot. I want to add taurine to it. Now every day at uh, every night at dinner, it's like this sucks. Everything sucks. I'm like, you want dessert? She's like, the world is gonna die. I'm like, okay, goth lady, why don't you go listen <laughs> to some My Chemical Romance and get back to me? Nice. Well, uh, by, good by the way, I think we're giving too much credit to Jersey and like Nevada and other like glamorous cl- crime states. <laughs> also, are we talking about uh, like actively burying the bodies or dumping them? And like, do sea burials count? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, there's so much so much to consider here. Uh, I feel I, like oh, I'm go. just going to let you keep going uh, because you described New Jersey as glamorous and I've never heard that before and I'd, I want to hear more. No, because I was going to say like I, I would want to go more toward the Pacific Northwest because that's where murderous drifters hang out or or New Mexico. Like when I read very sordid crime stories, like half of them occur in New Mexico. Not Arizona, but New Mexico. No, not Arizona because... Arizona's almost too public. Like, you, someone might see you in Arizona. In New Mexico, it's the fifth largest state. There's nothing in it. Nobody's going to see you dig a hole in a dune and dump your, like, ex-husband into it. I feel like this basically qualifies as news you can use. I want to encourage yeah. uh, listeners not to, to do that because Drew said so. Do your own research. 
Yeah, yeah. Like West Texas be a good candidate too. Yep. You want wide uh, open spaces and poor government. Uh, let's do a couple more before we get to the email of the week. Uh, Jeff writes in, if you were able to grow another normal-sized human arm anywhere on your body, where would you choose to grow it? I first thought it was the top of my head because you could reach things that are really high. <laughs> but the strain on the neck would be unbearable. Yeah, uh, that's a, a kind of a tough one there. Um, you don't want it at the top of your head. You don't want it at the top of your head. I feel like you probably don't want it, like, like I guess on your back would be cool, but you wouldn't necessarily know what you're using it for because you can't see back there. Would you it's want com- it sticking out of your belly, like Quado? I guess. I mean, like, I'm a huge, yeah, just I guess as a as a Verhoeven fan, uh, anything that, that you can do to Quadofy yourself, like, you have to consider that a win. I wouldn't want it on top of my head because if you actually, if you just, I'm reaching up with my arm right now. And like yeah, it looks amazing. Your arm, really kinda, is. your arm kind of starts, thanks to your shoulder rising up, your arm already kind of starts halfway up your head anyway. Yeah, you're just I basically would, picking up a forearm length. I would, because I'm used to my arms being where they are, I would want the third arm to be in that vicinity. So like Doc Ock, I would have it oh, yeah. probably under my right arm, sort of a second right arm. So I could have a, a second right arm like to hold a can of seltzer. I can't drink anymore, so I you know drink seltzer like a loser. And uh, and then I could also write like a uh, a note in my notebook about yeah, just having an auxiliary like sort of a backup hand uh, would yeah, be good. But not just a backup hand, a backup right hand because yeah. I'm right handed. If you were left handed, you have a backup left hand. But you know, so I could like punch somebody while also signing a legal waiver allowing me to punch them. Yeah, because that's the be. sort of thing that like I think a lot of people would want to do, but they they look at it and they're like, well, I just don't know if we have the if logistically if that's possible. Uh, this one's from David, not you. He said, with restaurants now open for outdoor dining, I'm reminded how unpleasant it can be to eat outdoors. The wind blows your napkins around. Shade relief becomes a commodity. Everyone walking past gets to stare at your plate. Noisy exhaust spewing trucks rattle by. It's okay. It gets one out of the house, but it's a largely overrated experience where a lot can go wrong. Do you agree with this take? I do, honestly. Uh, really? Yep, I do. Oh, I, I hate I, the take. I know. I mean, I figured most people do. and like, hate it. It's just something that I've, I've never been like hardcore about it like i will eat outside if we have like a guest that wants to eat outside or whatever but in general like no i i think that i like to like part of what i miss about restaurants honestly like and this is total stockholm syndrome like living in a city for a long time like i kind of like that it's crowded and that you have to like lean in and kind of raise your voice and there's a lot of other people around and stuff like that all these things that uh now make it terrifying and completely impractical right being outside especially like now, I've had meals outside that I liked in like in Italy or something where there's like a culture of it and they know what they're doing. All, That's right. All the attempts to create outdoor dining from scratch in New York are basically like taking a parking spot and putting a bunch of ferns from like Home Depot in it and being like, it's, it's like your restaurant. You like it. And they've all I mean, like, they kind of top out at like shitty wedding reception. And then there are some like just truly harrowing like formica table like in the dead middle of the sidewalk that you could like presumably eat at like i'm not gonna do that shit i will go yeah home. i think i think it's colored for you by being in in new york because like all the sidewalks are at a 45 degree angle and like your table's inevitably gonna wobble and like i i remember i had to do i had to interview eric repair for uh for a gq uh oral history of anthony bourdain's life Eric Repair told me 
that New York City deliberately uses the most uncomfortable chairs they can so that you get up after four or five minutes so that they can encourage restaurant turnover. So, like, you're going to get the shitty rattan chair with no ass, and, you know, and you're going to be sitting on a slant, and your back's going to die. So that kind of outdoor dining, fine. Yeah, that sucks. But in the rest of America, where you have flat land and ample space, I think it's quite lovely. I yeah, I mean, that's the, the kind of it that I've enjoyed. I mean, like, when we go see my wife's dad in Maine, like, all the places that we actually like eating up there are outside. So, you know, it's like a picnic table type thing where you eat a sandwich at it. But, yeah. like, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. But, like, that's not a, a climate-controlled experience in general. Um, yeah, so I, I, think, I think the take... The take has some inherent biases in it. Almost racist. Well, I don't know about... Is it... <laughs> trying to cancel a guy that is like willing to stand up to big alfresco. I respect I that. I will well I will say that the the picnic table design is not like optimal. No. It's not the greatest it's thing. It's not. In the world. Uh let's get to our email of the week. It's from Richard. Richard said my then 3-year-old has just finished a bath and decides he has to poop. So I dry him off and I put him on the toilet naked. I sit right outside the bathroom waiting for him to call me to wipe him when he's done. He calls me in and I see him sitting on the toilet with a noticeable glop of poop on his shoulder. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> There's no poop on his hands or anywhere else on his body or anywhere in the bathroom except in the toilet bowl where it belongs. <laughs> He's still four years away from being a even semi-competent wiper, so there's no way he wiped his own ass and dabbed the poop-covered toilet paper <laughs> on his shoulder without getting shit all over his hands. He never got up from the toilet. I never heard the water running. He's not, to my knowledge, a contortionist. So can you help me figure out how this glob of poop got on his shoulder and only on his shoulder? It's like a riddle. Children are magic. I mean, again, I'm speaking only as an uncle here. Like, this is 100% credible to me, even though, yep. like, the only explanation I can come up with involves, like, elves, you know, and is probably therefore not valid. You would know more about this as an actual uh, father of daughter and also of sons. Uh, how would this happen? Because, like, I know that kids make mistakes when pooping, but this one seems extraordinarily advanced. I, I mean, I've been a dad so long, I sort of don't even bother with the how anymore. <laughs> like, I've just, there's been shit and vomit all over this house in every corner of it. And so you, I haven't even gotten to the, like, the puberty fluids yet. So it's like, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, like, a glob of shit magically appears on a three-year-old's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I can. Sounds see that. about right. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's upsetting to me. Like I could, I could have the Warren Commission look into it, but you know, my my, I don't know. I I, I, I don't know, but I don't need to know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That like basically that, a, a situation like this is one that you have to first address as a problem to solve. Yeah, it would ruin the magic. <laughs> Thank you, Richard, for telling us that lovely story. And thank you, Roth, because that is the end of the first ever Distraction Podcast. Wow. Wow, we did it. We should do we another one. did it. We should do another one. We'll do another one next week. And so you know, this show is produced and engineered by Brandon Nix. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. And Citrus' chief content officer is Chris Bannon. Uh, we will have guests periodically on the show. Uh, including uh, some of our defector cohorts, but you should uh, so you should go to Stitcher and you should subscribe now. But also, you should know that you can listen to this as you probably are right now. Everywhere else, you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Bob Evans Restaurant. Yeah, Bob Evans, uh, Pep Boys. If you get your podcast, yep. Pep Boys. Yeah, so you can get that everywhere. And while you're at it, also subscribe to Defector.com. 
can go there now. There are subscription packages. There are also, it's still August, so there are deals where you can, uh, if you sign up for the year, you pay less than if you pay by month. Come so, on down. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for this week's show, Roth. We're going to see everyone next week, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I have time for it. That's right, because next week, we're back. We're back next week. So we'll see you next week. Bye.